1: Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians, we'll start reading in just a moment in chapter 2. But first of all, I would like for all the men of the church who would join me to join me here at the altar as we pray together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just get as close as you can. Men, would you join me? Let's lift our voices for our church, our families, for this community and nation. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity of worship. Thank you for this gathering in your house. Thank you that as men, we can intercede on behalf of our families, our church, our county, and our nation. Father, we ask right now that your hand would be upon the remainder of this service, every word that's spoken. We pray that the word of God will be presented in clarity. We pray that the name of Jesus will be lifted high. We pray for the convicting and convincing and wooing power of the Holy Spirit. To be upon all of us. We pray that your will will be done. We pray that this day our Lord will be glorified in this service. And Father, we not only pray for our church, we pray for every church in Waukala County that preaches the Bible and lifts the name of Jesus up. We pray for a mighty move of God in this county. And Father, we pray for our nation, we pray for our leaders, we pray for revival, we pray for mercy and grace, we pray for something that we do not deserve. We ask that in these days, we might see the hand and the power of God at work in our midst. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I always feel better after the men come and pray with me. If you haven't already, open your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. We're going to study through the book of First Thessalonians. This will be the third message. The first one was grace to you. Paul extended the blessing of grace upon them. And then last Sunday we looked at the subject, Waiting for the One Who Was Raised, and he had a lot of wonderful things to say about this church, and it seemed to all be based on the fact that they had their eyes focused on a future date and time when the one who got up and walked out of that tomb alive would return for his children. They were waiting for the one who was raised. And so we pick up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, we'll read through verse 12, follow along as I read. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toll, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, I think we had some things highlighted on the screen. I want to go back to verse 1, and I want to just walk through so that you'll see this. In verse 1, he says, for you yourselves know. And then in verse 2, he says, as you know. And then in verse 5, he says again, as you know. And then in verse 9, he says, for you remember. And then in verse 10, he says, you are witnesses. And then in verse 11, he says, as you know. And If we were to do it, and I won't do it, we find this again in chapter 3 and in chapter 5. Chapter 3, he says again, and you know. And in chapter 5, he says, for you yourselves know perfectly well. Now, the reason I'm pointing that out to you, and this is the title of the message today, is as you know. Paul is talking to them about things they already know. He's reminding them of what they saw and heard and experienced when he was with them. You see, Paul would go into these towns, these villages, these cities, and he would take the Word of God, and he would reason with them, with the Word of God, explaining to them why Jesus was the Messiah, how he fulfilled the Scriptures. He would present Christ to them through the Word of God. And then he would ask them to embrace Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And then those who embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior, he would bring together as a group, as a family, and he would establish a church. And then when that church was established, Paul would move on to the next place, obviously appointing elders and leaders in the church. But then to follow up Paul would send letters back to the church to encourage them, to speak life into them, to address whatever problems that may be uh, arising in the churches. And, And so basically what we have here is Paul is writing a letter back to the church of Thessalonica, and he is encouraging them by reminding them of some things that they saw, things they heard things they experienced while he was there with them paul says you know you were aware you were witnesses you remember that when we were with you we were bold to present the gospel to you even in the face of persecution we didn't back down and and, and paul says you you know you remember that we were were not deceptive when we were with you. We did not deceive you. We did not try to manipulate you. Paul says, we did not use flattering words to try to win you over to our side. These all are very important things. He says, we did not exalt ourselves because we were not seeking the glory of men. Paul says, our ministry among you was not about us looking good. It was not about us being uh, uh, praised and worshipped by you. Our visit with you and our ministry to you, as you know, you are perfectly aware of this, was all about the truth. And Paul says, and when we were there among you, we never took advantage of you. We were never a financial burden upon you. You can read it over and over, and you'll find these things in the text. He says, we were not a financial burden to you. Uh, We were not always taking up an offering and asking for money. We were not always asking you to give your money to us as your spiritual leaders. And, and, And friends, I want to say this to you. I'm a pastor. I believe in tithing, and this church tithes but anybody who always talks about money finds you somebody else to sit under. I'm serious. That's fraudulent. And it's going on all over America today. And, and Paul says, We didn't burden you. We didn't put a financial burden on you. In fact, Paul says, We work night and day with our own hands so we would not burden you. So you wouldn't be in a financial hardship. That's what Paul says. We, we didn't do that. We worked with our hands. We labored. We didn't ask you to labor and support us. We labored and supported you. Now, had he stopped there, that would have been fine. But Paul goes on to say that, that we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Could you think of an analogy that would be more tender than that? As a nursing mother cherishes her own children, you were dear to us. We exhorted and comforted you like a father would comfort his own children. Paul was saying, the one and only thing we wanted to do among you was to minister Jesus Christ to you so that you would be worthy and pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the the bottom line is, is that Paul was saying that we didn't have any ulterior motives when we were with you. We just wanted you to know Jesus. We wanted you to live for Jesus. We wanted you to be pleasing to Jesus. That's all. That's all we wanted. And Paul says over and over, you know this. You're aware of this. You were witnesses to this. You remember what it was like. Now, here's the question. And sometimes if you really want to understand the Bible, you have to ask some questions. Why would Paul spend so much time telling them what they already know? Why would he spend so much time reminding them of something that he says, you know this, you witness this, you remember this, you know this perfectly well. Why? And the answer is shocking. So, fasten your seatbelts, because this is tough. But I want to share with you why I shared that with them. Because there was something sinister and evil and destructive going on in that church. And that's the reason Paul's saying it. And I'll tell you something else. The same is true here at River of Life. There is something sinister and evil and seductive and destructive going on right here in this church right now. And before you jump up and run for the door and start looking for another church, you need to know something. In every church that attempts to do something for the glory of God, there is an evil presence and an evil spirit at work against that church. In every church. I want you to know the devil will not waste his time on a dead church. He won't do that. But I'm telling you that when people make up their minds that they're going to serve God and when a church gets on fire and when people start getting baptized and lives start getting changed... And God starts doing a work in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls, and homes start changing, and we start infringing on the devil's territory, I'm telling you, it'll stir up some demons. It'll stir some things up. And, and that's what was happening in the Thessalonian church. And friends, that's what's happening in our church. In fact, I want to tell you, if the devil ever stops attacking this church, we better get on our knees and start praying. Because that means we're not doing anything. And, and so it happens. The enemy comes in. You see, Paul spent some time, not very long. Some people think Paul may not have been at Thessalonica more than three weeks. But he goes there. He works. He doesn't take advantage of them. He doesn't deceive them. And he teaches them the Word of God. And he leads them to Christ. And he establishes a church And and he shows them the right way and then Paul leaves the church and as soon as he leaves the church the enemy comes in. And when the enemy comes in the enemy starts trying to distract and discredit everything the apostle Paul has taught. The enemy tries to tear it apart. The enemy comes in and the enemy says Paul was a A fraud. He was a fake. His ministry was fraudulent. He was deceiving you. He was playing tricks on you. He was misleading you. He was using you for His own good, for His own glory. They went in, the enemy went in and said, this is not of God. This is false. It's fake. Paul sits down and writes a letter back to them. And basically what Paul says is, you know better than that. You know better. You know perfectly well what happened when I was among you. Ah, oh, as you know, we labored among you. We loved you. We treated you like loving parents when we were among you. We didn't take from you. We gave to you. Paul says. And what Paul's doing is he's countering the attack of the enemy against the, the Thessalonian church by reminding them of the good, the real, the true, the genuine things that God did when He was among them. And Paul just says, the enemy's lying to you. You know what happened. You know what happened. You know what happened when I was among you. You know what the Spirit did. I, I know you've uh, heard this many times, and, and so have I. But uh, Edmund Burke said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. We, we've heard that uh, quite a few times. I agree with that. But I can tell you, I I also agree with this, the only thing necessary to get evil all stirred up is for good people to try to do something. One more time. Some of you didn't get that. The only thing necessary to get evil all stirred up is for good people to try to do something. Try to do something good in your family. Try to do something good in your business. Try to do something good in your church. Step out on faith. Do something that's never been done before. Try to do something good for the glory of God and you'll stir up some evil because the evil makes attack. One passage in the Bible refers to the devil as the enemy of all righteousness. If something... Good and godly is going on. Friends, there will be no shortage of trouble, chaos, confusion. You, you know, we say this. I'm not making this up. You can ask my staff. We, we talk about this. We've talked about this through the years. When nobody's getting saved, when no lives are getting changed, when, when nobody's coming to the altar, when, when, when nothing spiritual is going on, and we've had some seasons when it was like that, guess what? This church was at perfect Peace. Everything's fine. You could just you're not to worry about anything. But so you let souls get under conviction, start getting saved. And I'm telling you, all hell will break loose. The enemy will get excited. The enemy will come in. He's trying to stop. He is the enemy of all righteousness. That's what he does. The enemy will do anything to stop you from growing in grace. He'll do anything to stop me from growing in grace. He'll do anything to stop this church from fulfilling its ministry. I, I wanna I want to tell you, I'm convinced. I've never been more convinced of this. This is a church with a vision. This is a church with a dream. This, this is. I, I'm looking at I, uh, Friday. One of our board members hands me some print uh, of a new sanctuary, twice this size. We're dreaming. By the way, folks, if you're going to dream, dream big. We're, we're dreaming. We believe God wants to impact this county. We believe Wakulla County needs a revival. We believe that we need a move of the Spirit. We believe what color loves Jesus should be more than just a sign when you come into the county. We believe somebody needs to get excited. There needs to be an explosion. There needs to be a move of God in the house of God and in the houses of God. But friends, I want you to know that when you do that, you're picking a fight with the devil. All hell will begin to break loose. And we better be ready. We better be ready. And we better not underestimate the enemy. You see, Paul was countering the lies of the enemy by saying, remember. Remember what's true and right and just. But if you don't remember, you don't remember what God's doing in your life, the old devil will perch right up there on your shoulder and he'll begin to whisper in your ear, And the devil will begin to discredit the good and the godly, the pure and the holy things of God. He'll do that. A few years ago, I became the victim of an evil, distracting spirit. You heard me right. I'm your pastor, but I became the victim of an evil, distracting spirit. Let me tell you the story. There's a godly woman in this church, very loved and very respected by the whole church. And one day, the enemy perched up on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, and this is what the enemy said, she doesn't like you. She's avoiding you. She doesn't want anything to do with you. Well, at first, I acted like I didn't hear the voice of the enemy. That's one tactic that won't work. Don't act like you don't hear him. There's some things you can do in spiritual warfare, but just trying to ignore it won't work. I tried. I acted like I didn't, didn't hear it. But finally... It got the best of me. And I picked up the phone one day and I called her. And the conversation went something like this. I asked, have I done something to upset you? Her response was, no. Why would you think that? I said, are you? Sure. You're not upset with me at all? She said, no. Not at all. And then she said, Pastor, I love you. And I'm praying for you. Every day. She said, I just don't demand a lot of attention. And I stay in the background. And I know that there are a lot of young Christians in the church that need you. A lot of new members that need your attention. And I don't want to get in the way of you ministering. I just want to pray for you and Support you. Friends, by the time I got off that phone call, I knew what had happened. I knew I'd become the victim of an evil, lying spirit. (laughs) I knew what had happened. I'd been deceived by the enemy. Lied to. And I just got to tell you, I felt extremely immature at that moment. I really did. I thought to myself, I've been serving the Lord far too long to fall for this. I've, I've been serving way too long for this to be true of me. But it happened to me. It happened to me. And, friends, if it happened to the church of Thessalonica, if it happened to me, and it has happened to many people in this church, don't you think for a moment it can't happen to you. And I can tell you, when the move of God starts uh, pouring over this place and God starts doing His work in this place, the devil will, will perch right up on your shoulder and start whispering in your ear. And I want you to know that if you think he can't whisper to you, you are the most deceived person in the house. The devil can say things like this to you now. It won't be verbatim, but you get it. The devil will say, you're more spiritual than everybody else at that church. That's what he'll say. The devil will say, you're smarter than everybody else. You know more about the Word than other people. The devil, the, the devil will, will say, you, are, you, you, you don't need to... Bow down to that person. You, you can ignore that. The devil will say all kinds of things to you. But I tell you what, one of the things the devil will say is he'll say, That person doesn't like you. Or that person is offended by you. The devil will perch right up on your shoulder and he will say all kinds of ugly things into your ear. And friends, I, I, I just want to tell you, you got, if he, if he does, you've got to stand your ground you got to say no. By the way, here's what I decided after that conversation. And it's working real well for me. I decided, I just made a decision. In fact, I made a decision for every one of you. This was my decision. I really, really, I'm not making this up. I made this decision for every one of you. I just made up my mind that everybody in this church loves me. And i got to tell you, if you come and tell me that somebody else in this church doesn't love me, I'm not going to believe you. (laughs) I'm just going to think they're having a bad day. And I I made up my mind that I'm going to just assume and believe that everybody in this church loves me unless they walk up to me and get in my face and tell me they don't love me. And then I'm not sure I will believe them. I'll just believe the enemy's working on them right at that moment and they really do love me. By the way, the next time somebody says something, and they won't come out and say that, but the next time somebody confronts you and says in some way, some words, that they disapprove of you or don't love you or don't like you, just say, come here, give me a hug. (laughs) Come on. Let's pray together. Let's get. On. I, I'm. I'm serious. I'm not making this up. One time, I had a deacon who came to me, and he was he was ready to kill me. And he said, "I got some things I've got to say to you. My staff knows about this. I've got some things I got to say to you. I want you to hear this. Um, uh, and I'm not leaving here until you hear this." I said, "I'll listen to everything you got to say, if you'll pray with me first." We walked over to the worship center, got on our knees. I said, I said, would you hold my hand? I, you know, sometimes you just got to rub it in a little bit. You know what I mean? I said, would you hold my hand? So he gave me his hand. We got on our knees. And we began to pray. And the Spirit of the Lord fell. I, I, I know you think some of these stories are exaggerated, but th- this is not exaggerated. Spirit of the Lord fell. We began to weep. We began to pray. And you could feel the presence of God. And when we finished praying, we stood up and I said, okay, I'm ready. I was bracing myself. I'm ready. Let me have it. So help me look to me and said, I don't have anything to say to you anymore. (laughs) I don't have anything to say to you. You see, the fact of the matter is that deacon was flawed. And the pastor he was speaking to was flawed. And you are flawed. And we're all weak. And we all have feet of clay, and we all make mistakes, and we all say stupid, dumb things, and we're we're all human beings. The only thing that makes the difference is that the enemy perches up here, whispers in our ear, and gets us all bent out of shape because he's trying to create problems. Wow. Yeah. So, I, I, I got two minutes to finish this up. Huh? You don't, you don't, you don't be, yeah, and I got to tell you, I hate to do this because this has been like the weirdest day on the planet for me. The Baptistry, everything else, but my shoes are untied. And if I don't tie my shoes, I'm going to trip and fall right up here. I'm just, I'm sorry. I was 17 years old. It was the Thursday night revival. The preacher was preaching, shouting, but doing more than that. He was anointed. He was anointed. And something came over me like I'd never felt before in my life. And when the invitation was given, I got up out of my seat and I ran to the altar. And at 17 years old, I was embarrassed because because I was weeping at the altar. And I was crying. And that night the Lord saved me. Lord, save me that night. I've made a lot of mistakes since then, but I am telling you the truth. I've never been the same since. And every now and then, when the enemy is attacking me and lying to me, I have to remember that Thursday night experience. Are you with me? I was six years old, and I watched a man dressed in white walk through a group of praying adults, walk to the bedside of my grandfather. He leaned over and he kissed my grandfather. I dropped my head, I lifted my head and he was gone. My grandfather was expected to die at any moment, but he didn't die, he got up off of that bed and was healed and lived for many years after that, a full life. Oh, friends, friends, don't tell me God doesn't do miracles. And I got to tell you, every now and then I have to remember when I was six years old. I have to remember that. I was 21 years old. My wife was going to a Tupperware party. How many of you remember the Tupperware parties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they still around? Do people still have Tupperware parties? Well, okay. She she was at a Tupperware party. I was home alone, 21 years old, got down on my knees in front of a green chair, and a spirit came over me. It was different from salvation, and I didn't know what it was. And that night, the Holy Spirit said, I'm calling you into the ministry. You're going to preach the gospel. No matter what you plan on doing in your life, you're going in another direction. Sometimes, when the enemy's coming against me, I have to remember yeah. what happened that night. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to remember. That's the way we counter the lies. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, uh, one night she she just she developed a fever. It just uh, it, it was unbelievable. It came on her so fast, uh, and I was getting ready to put her in the car and rush her to the emergency room. I remember dropping down on my knees and I put my hands on her and her her skin was on fire. And I was so afraid for my wife. I was so afraid for my baby. I, I was so afraid and I was crying and I called out to God. God, touch her and heal her. And friends, I literally felt her skin begin to cool. And the temperature went away. And I just held my hands on her and it was just like it was just the Spirit of God just said, Oh! Tell me you don't believe it. I don't care! I don't care! I believe in the power of prayer because I've seen it and every now and then I have to remember. I have to remember what He did. About 15 years ago, God spoke to my heart that I want you to go to the center of Wakulla County. I want an interdenominational, interracial, spirit-filled church located in the geographical center of Wakulla County. Here we are. Here we are. Th- Thirteen years we've been here. We own 16 acres. We have about 35, 40,000 square feet. We're getting ready to build another building. About a 7,000 square foot building. The day we move into it, it'll be paid for. We're completely debt free. We don't owe anybody anything. It is undeniable what God has done in this place. And every now and then, when the storm is raging and the enemy is perched on my shoulder and he's lying to me, I have to remember. I have to remember what I know. I have to fall back on what I know God has done. Now that's... Those are my, that's my story. But what is your story? Do you remember when the Spirit jumped on you and you couldn't get it off of you? Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you walked with the Lord? in the pout? Do you remember when you didn't care if you lived or died, you just knew you were right with God? Do you remember revival? Do you remember to answer prayer? Do you remember miracles? Do you remember those days? Because you need to remember because the enemy will come against you. And you need to remember what God has done in your life. Because I'm convinced the enemy is going, already is, he's going to try to stop What's going on here at this church? And we need a letter like this one to say, you know perfectly well the truth. You remember, you were witnesses, you've been there, you've walked with me. Sometimes you have to fall back on what you know. All right, I'm going to skip some things, and I want to lead you on a commitment before we leave here today. I'm just asking you to make a commitment. And basically, it'll go like this. And I'll just ask you to repeat it after me, but it's not fair to ask you to repeat something after me if you don't know what you're repeating, right? So I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to remember. And then I'm going to ask you to make this commitment to say no lie of the enemy will distract me anymore. No lie of the enemy will cause me to be offended with someone else in this church. When somebody else in this church says something that's... They probably didn't mean it. And the enemy will just use it. Just, just cover them with grace. No lie of the enemy will cause me to leave this church before the Holy Spirit tells me. And finally, no lie of the enemy will stop this good work of God. See, that's what Paul was saying. Remember, remember how we started. Just know that. Okay, are you Ready? Now, if you don't want to make it, don't do it. But I think everybody here should make this. Here's your first commitment I will remember what God has done in my life. Say it. Okay? No lie of the enemy will distract me, no lie of the enemy will cause me to be offended. No lie of the enemy will cause me to leave this church. No lie of the enemy will stop this good work. And I'm going to throw one more on you, okay? Everybody in this church loves me. Come on now, say it! Do you know why they love you? Because if they're Christians, the love of Jesus lives in them and He lives in you. I didn't say everybody in this church likes everything you do. But they love you. Would you stand with me? Thank you again for
0: listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.